0: You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urbanski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Kim Addis, the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine TM Software author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and mother of five, Kim is one of my personal heroes as well as one of North America's top experts on performance through thought mastery. Using her unique philosophy and quirky coaching style, Kim helps her clients shift their thinking in order to yield extraordinary results and personal transformation. I've asked Kim to join us today to share her story and perhaps help some of us overcome our self-limiting beliefs and thoughts so we can go on to achieve our full potential. Kim, thank you so much for your time, for joining us today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great and so happy to be talking to you today. Right? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yay. It's a beautiful sunny day. Uh, it's still cold and snowy, but hey, who cares? And uh, we're in the same hood. That's right. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm west side, but yeah, Toronto. What do we, are we, somebody said we're Tonys. No, we're Toronto. Torontarians? Toront, I don't even know. Torontonians. Torontonians. There we go. All right. So yeah. I got to get that right. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. I'm just figuring out my identity here um but yeah so anyways thank you for joining us it is a great time to be talking and it's one of the best times in the world to be an entrepreneur uh, in the history of the world to be an entrepreneur but obviously we've just mentioned that you've got your own company and you've got some software going and that's really commendable especially considering that you've had five kids which is amazing because i want to start a family and have like four to eight so uh, i just think that's awesome that's bold (laughs) yeah I'm gonna do it I'm I'm that's I'm anyways this is your interview not me but I I told my mom that and she just like laughed because I think my whole life I'm like mom I'm thinking of going to Japan next week mom I'm going to Japan for a year like I've just that's who I've always been mom I'm thinking about this and then like two days later like I'm doing it and it's wow it's not like little things it's like so so
1: mom I want to have four to eight kids and like are you married? Do you have a, a partner to share that with?
0: Like, <laughs> well, what does that look like at this point? Uh, that's that's a really good question that I'm blushing about asking. So uh, there, <laughs> there is a girl. There's a girl. Uh, but she doesn't know you. No, she, she totally. <laughs> what? No, she totally knows me. She totally knows me. First of all, there's a lot of women that have baby fever. Just in general, there's a ton of women that have, like, baby fever in general. And so that was really, like, shocking for me um, in that sense, like women that don't have kids that just want to have kids. So 48 kids, I don't know. And I've actually, that's partially why I mentioned in this interview because I want a big family. I was an orphan. So, all right, whatever, this is still your interview, but I was an orphan. I was then adopted into a stepchild, yada, yada, yada. I've always wanted a big family. And it was only pushed out of my mind when people told me like, Oh, but it's so expensive, yada, yada, yada. yada." And now I feel like I do fair fairly well financially. So I'm like, I, Potentially afford it. Plus, I I also travel a lot, and I think if I had a couple houses, one in Canada and another somewhere else, and a couple other countries I go, like the Philippines or <clears throat> uh, Africa or even Canada or Japan or any of the other places I go, it would be easier in some instances because uh, of the lower cost of living and the fact that you can get help. Especially the Philippines, you can have a live-in nanny for 500 bucks a month, 600 bucks a month. Right. Um, so but the one thing that i actually this yeah okay fine let's let's do this the one thing I've always wondered though is am I able to do that with one woman because this is kind of the conundrum one I don't want to have a broken home I don't want broken families I don't want the nonsense where you've got you know kids with this girl and then you the relationship doesn't work out and now you're with the new girl and the kids from the last relationship are like neglected because you know they're like old baggage like you know and I, forgive me if that's not politically correct but I feel like that's what I see sometimes in my friends and their relationships like I right. want a big house I want all my kids live with me, but I also am concerned about the women not being able to pursue their careers and goals and dreams, which is why I said you're my personal hero at the beginning of the interview, because I feel like that's really commendable, and there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom at all, but I feel like for me, and the type of person I am, I would... I, know, I worry that I would be able to stay intellectually stimulated by right. a partner who just, you know, just doesn't, like, just hangs out watching kids' stories all day. Like, I know what that's like. Like, it's not like it's a foreign thing for me. I've done foster care, all that. So it's like if you don't have your own goals, your own ambition, ambitions, that sort of thing, I worry that I would lose interest. So it's funny. That's why I was, like, blush at the beginning because um, there is a girl – And she only wants two to three. So we're talking about creative uh, ways to have the rest of the children because she's got career goals and ambitions and stuff. So that's, again, why I said you're my personal hero, because I'm curious about how, like, how do you do it? How do you find time to struggle? So
1: let me kind of share a little bit about my story, and then we'll talk about all those things that you brought up because it's jam-packed with lots of things to discuss. How's that? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So first of interview. all, so I ha- I have five kids. I didn't give birth to all five kids. Okay, so let's clear that up from the get-go. I was married. I had two kids and I got divorced and then I got remarried to a man who had full custody of his, of three of his three kids. Mm. So I have a boy and a girl and he has three boys. And at the time when we met, my youngest was 9 and his oldest was 14. Wow. Okay. So, and so right away, we all lived in one house together. So we had to orchestrate, you know, living arrangements, who's sleeping where, and all that kind of stuff. There was also, um, you know, the issue of, you know, kids at that age, they have a little bit of ownership over their stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. and there were maybe a little bit of power wars, but they're very minor. And so the question is, how do you blend two families together together? and how do you suddenly step into you know the word stepmom mm-hmm. it's not you know what is stepmom step in step over step aside <laughs> step right, up, right 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 step so step has a lot of connotation and so how do you make it all work when there are other parents involved sort of kind of right so mm-hmm. sort of kind of but they're here permanently and here's their residence so for me personally um you know, one of the things that happened that went really, really well was at first I thought my husband was a little nuts. He he would insist that we travel together. So that's seven people in one car. <laughs> like if we went if we went for dinner, let's say at his mom's house that was fifteen minutes away, I'd say, Okay, like you know what, I'll just meet you there. He's like, No, we're a family, we travel together.
0: I love that. Yep.
1: And I, I thought he was like just being let's call it controlling. But that's not what it was, or maybe it was, but what it ended up happening was we learned to call ourselves a family. Mm. We learned to operate as a family. We learned where to sit in the car, right? Because they want the better seat. And so at the beginning, they would, yell, shotgun, I want right side. Right, right, know, right, right, you know, right, whatever. It's a fun thing now. Right, but so then we learned everybody has their seat and everybody doesn't fight about which seat they go in. And so this kind of thing, this kind of, let's call it, We created a lot of traditions. Hmm. Really created a bond, made us feel like a family. One of the things we did early on is we went to we we found a personal trainer who trains families. Now we didn't last very long, admittedly, but something (laughs) something he did early on was really really powerful and has lasted over the years. He said, "Bring a journal with you." So Mm -hmm. we brought a journal, and he said, "One thing that I want you to do is find a." A name for your team. Mm. Right. You're a team. What's the team? So now my husband's name is Friedman. My name is Addis. And my kids, who take the name from their father, are Kotliar with a K. So we decided to call ourselves Team Facts. (laughs) (laughs) So – so the so what we learned is that when we put things in place where the kids can depend on it, there's regularity mm-hmm. that forms an expectation where they just say, okay, we're a family. Maybe we, we don't always like each other every minute of the day. Right. Maybe we don't always like w- what the other person is doing every minute of the day, but we're a family and that's how it is. Right. It's just, that's the way it is.
2: Right. I like so that.
1: So a, a huge part of You know, how do you handle all the family things is to put some I don't want to say rigid structure, but put some structure. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not a rigid person. I'm the opposite of rigid. I, I, I hate rules and regulations. That's just who I am. But put some structure in place where they look forward to it whatever Mm, it is, mm, Friday mm, night mm. dinner. One of the things we do every year is we uh, celebrate family day together. It's a big deal here in Toronto. Like this year, we now they're older, we took them knife throwing. So do something every year, like we just have traditions. And those traditions are really, really important to keeping the family together. Now, as for being a mother and working, everybody's different, right? Mm, mm. So for me personally, if I wasn't working, I'd go mental, right? Like yep. it would just be a very hard life for me. And it's not that I would be bored, but I would not feel really good about myself. Mm. And I would be, I need that stimulation. You need you, the growth, right? You're I, capable I, of so I, much more. Yeah. yeah. And so the question is can I be a great mom and work? I think that yes. I'm a much better mom when I work. Right. Because because it, you know, I mean I remember giving birth to my first son and all of a sudden I'm like home with this child and I'm thinking to myself what do I do now? Right. Like what the heck just happened? Right. It was a huge it was a huge culture shock. And so for me working allows me to come back to the house really vibrant and invigorated mm-hmm. and engaged and able to really give them my full attention because I'm full, you know, I'm filled up. If I'm empty, there's
0: nothing for me to give. Mm -hmm. No, I agree a a thousand percent. I did a great interview. Listeners may want to check out as well with Alex Sheffrin about the entrepreneurial personality type. And he, what I liked about that interview so much is he, he, the whole entrepreneurial personality type thing is that we are momentum based beings. And so happy, sad, upset, angry, he's like, Entrepreneur, entrepreneurs don't really associate with those. They just understand momentum and lack of momentum. And if there's momentum, then there are all those positive things. If there's lack of momentum, there's the opposite. And you just described that perfectly. You're like, I'm home, I've got this child and I've got no momentum. And like what? And exactly. And you're like, when I can go to work and I feel like there's progress and there's things are happening and I'm able to yeah. produce, I, you got momentum, you're happy. So that just spoke really well to that. And I think, I think that's fantastic. And I think it does because you're interacting with other people, you're learning learning. learning other things. I mean it's stimulation. They've they've done all sorts of studies. Like we crave stimulation. We crave variety. We crave that. So for you to go out and learn something new for and it could be just could even be the most random thing like someone you talk to while pumping gas. But because you were doing something new and different, you had that meeting, they I've had this chance like things people have said things to me in passing that have been like huge eye openers or aha moments. And it was like a fleeting moment, you know, just crossing paths. And so you get that inspiration. Whereas you wouldn't, if you were just stuck at home watching daytime TV and drama, yeah. like, well, you know, and so
1: that's a bit of a, a cliche right there, right? Like stay at home mothers can still be stimulated, but it's not for everybody. Right. And the key is that whoever you are, whether you're a stay at home mother or a working mother, your job for your children is to really, uh, take care of your wellness, make sure you're healthy, mm. whether it's physically, mentally, intellectually, whatever, make sure you're healthy. So can you stay at home and be healthy? Of course you can. Right. Could I? Can. No, I couldn't. Yeah. Right? So, and everybody's different. And so the idea is that there isn't one blanket formula for everybody everybody needs to take care of themselves in their own way so for you let's say eventually you get married your your desire is to be in a healthy relationship with a healthy other partner a healthy mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. and when they show up healthy whether they're staying at home or not that's not the relevant piece the relevant piece is are they in this relationship feeling good if not Something needs to shift. Right. If they're in the in this relationship feeling bad, then they have to think, say, what's going to help me feel better?
0: Right, 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 right but,
1: right. but if they're perfectly happy at home and they are engaged and you come home with things to talk about and they're interested in that and, and they have things to talk about that – you know, don't assume that just because they're at home moms that they watch soap
0: operas. Like that's just not a fair statement. No, no, no. And that I, right? I'm a, I'm a I'm a laptop entrepreneur, so I work from home. And actually, right. the girl that I'm talking to, she's 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 as as well. So I just I didn't necessarily say yeah. at home, but at home watching dramas right. versus at home at your home office or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because I think so, there's two different mental. Because there's you can yeah. you can have the same person, in the same situation, and they approach it differently. Exactly.
1: So So you want to make sure you're with someone who understands, look, in order for me to have a healthy relationship, I've got to show up healthy. That's the really key, most important piece of it. Mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. Very well said. So how did you even get started in all this long before you became a thought (laughs) expert and able to just, you know, coach people so well and have such good insight? How did you get started?
1: Well, I think that, you know, ever since I was young, I probably had some pretty good instincts. You know, I was the kind of teenager where everybody came and asked for advice because I was kind of neutral and open and, and really accepting and all that kind of good stuff. But so what happened to me before? So I told you I got I was married and then got divorced in that first marriage. I owned a business with my ex-husband and we used to build simulation based assessments. And the purpose of those assessments was to help companies make better hiring decisions. And so we're already very much involved in how do you figure out who the best performer is going to be? Mm. regardless of the role, regardless of the position, regardless of the industry. And so we tested hundreds of thousands of people. And one of the things that we discovered, you know, we were looking at IQ, we were looking at skill sets, we were looking at personality traits, and we discovered that across all industries, across all positions, there was one key indicator of top performance that really, really stood out, that was consistent. It was well, it wasn't my, well, it wasn't called mindset because, you, you know, it was hard to evaluate mindset, but we were looking for how, uh, what is their level of emotional resilience? Mm. So what is that? That is how does it, how quickly, how able is a person to bounce back from adversity when something bad happens? Mm, mm, mm. Right? So, so what is that? Something hits you, whatever it is, something negative happens. How long do you stay down for? And then on top of that, when something bad happens, what do you do with it? So those people with a high degree of emotional resilience not only do they get up fast, they leverage their adversity. They mm. do something. They turn it into an advantage. Mm. So, mm. so that's kind of historically where I come from. And you know, obviously, <laughs> my marriage didn't last, and I ended up um, selling my shares and moving on. But that piece of information always stayed with me. And right. the question is, how do we really help people succeed? Is it by building their skills? Well, there's a million people out there that could help you with skill development. But if I could really help people build their emotional resilience, now I'm onto something really big. Mm. And so that's where Frame Line Coaching was born, from mm. this idea that the way people think will determine what they achieve and the way people think. Is really an indicator or a reflection of their
0: emotional resilience? You know that's a great, that's a great uh, statement. That's a great point because and I, I've learned something similar in martial arts and, and just that if someone's standing in front of you, if you push their head, their whole body follows. Like, it's really hard for someone to stand up straight and keep their, their balance if you push their head backwards or you push their head to the left or right. You can do it to their arm. You can do it to a leg, and they'll stay in the same spot. But if you push their head, the whole rest of the body goes. And mm. so it's like where your focus goes, the mind or the body, the, your feet follow type exactly. thing. And so I think that's just such – like, it's almost like you said, like on the emotional resiliency part. If something bad happens, there's – you know, they always say there's silver lining, and it's – and the power of positive thinking, it's not that – Jim Rohn says it's great. He's like, it's not that no, there are no weeds, there are no weeds. It's like, if you do that, we have to haul you up to the crazy farm because the weeds are going to take over your garden. It's right. what do you focus on in a given situation? I love that because if there's, you know, you can focus on the things you don't want or focus on what you want and just keep your focus on getting there. And I think that like even when a homing missile is fired, homing missiles don't go in straight lines. They're constantly course correcting and it's because they're constantly focusing on homing in on where their their big goal is. And as they get closer, they're making more fa- you know, more adjustments quicker. Because, right, because it's the trajectory. But anyways, that's the whole point is just like you said, the emotional resiliency. How much can you avoid distractions? Stop being distracted by things that have nothing to do with your goals.
1: Well, that's part of it. A hundred percent. It's that's the focus part. But emotional resiliency usually refers to the idea of how do you handle it when something bad comes your way? Mm. You know, what do you do with that? How do you interpret that negative event? How do you turn it into something really, really positive? How do you turn it into something that's an advantage? So it's not just about, you know, not getting distracted, although that's part of it. In other words, how do you let – I'll give you an example. I just came back from a vacation with a friend and a really close friend, grew up with her for years and years and years. And, you know, we were at the beach and there were – suddenly a family came with kids and the kids were playing, screaming, yelling, whatever – And it really bothered her. Right. Uh Like the noise just got to her and I didn't even notice. Uh So it's not how do you how do you prevent yourself from letting distraction get in your way? But how do you allow yourself to be around chaos when it's around you and be okay with it? How do you be at peace when the world isn't always peaceful?
0: You know, I always thought of that when I see, like, a dog or an animal that's got, like, seven kids, like, crawling on it and chewing on it. And, the, like, the mom's just, like, laying there. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> I was like, how do you, like, you're being gnawed on in eight different places. How does a not like, doesn't – Right. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you do that? Is that, like, right. a Zen thing?
1: It's a zen, well, well, going back to being a parent, you know, five kids, five different personalities, five different uh, goals, dreams, desires, requirements – and they all need your attention. So how do you be in that, mm-hmm. right? And not feel like, oh my god, you know, I have no time for myself or whatever. You just be in that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like one of the big things people ask me, how do you balance everything? You know, this question of balance, right? You might mm-hmm. have, you might mm-hmm. have that question. You're you're a mom. You're an entrepreneur. I'm a daughter with parents who are aging and struggling, et cetera. How do you balance it all? And here's my answer to that, like. Imagine you're in a park. I don't know. Do you remember when you were a kid? You went on a seesaw. Yep. So what happens when your seesaw is in complete balance?
0: Uh, no one's on it. Or no, you're on it, right? Well, you're both you're both standing. I guess if you're in well, well, what do you mean complete balance? Because as in like level or what? Like yeah, complete balance. You're on one side. Your friend is on the other side, and the
1: seesaw is in complete balance. What's happening?
0: You're equal weight. You're both standing.
1: Nothing's happening.
0: Nothing's happening.
1: (laughs) Nothing's happening. Okay. Right? There's no movement. Right. Nothing's happening. And so people ask me, how do you find balance? And I'm like, I'm not after balance. I don't like it when nothing happens. Right. Right? Like, that's not really what I'm after. What I'm really after is a high degree of engagement. So the idea of being where you are. Right, so if I'm on the beach, I'm going to enjoy the beach. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to one of my kids, I'm going to be as focused as I can possibly be. If I'm on this call, nothing else is going on. I don't know if you can see, but my arms are moving, right. and I'm talking to you with a lot of enthusiasm and passion because I'm focused here. Right, right. right? And so, Being be present. where you are. Yeah. And to me, that's the answer. It's not. Don't go for balance.
0: Go for presence. Yeah. Go for engagement. I love that. And I especially love that because <clears throat> I think balance is from a nis- is like a misconception that life is supposed to be without struggle. Life is all about chaos and struggle and that's it like i mean planets were smashing and got like whatever you believe like strife and chaos is what life is about it's constant change it's a refinement it's about friction it's constant refinement it's life is competition especially on a biological level well
1: let's look at it a bit differently okay life is struggle it doesn't have to be struggle it's kind of like you can go to let's take it like this go to an amusement park go on a roller coaster some people white knuckle it right it's a struggle it's Mm -hmm. scary it's terrifying right, right. it makes them nauseous they puke over the side right that like that's one way of doing it right. another way of doing it is to like let go and scream and yell and have the greatest time ever.
0: Right. Right? right so right, right. so
1: so choose how yep. you're gonna do this.
0: Right. Yep. I agree. I agree. So it doesn't
1: me. have to be a struggle. It
0: can be a ride. True. It's a yeah it's a musical thing. You're supposed to sing and dance while the music is playing.
1: Well you can you don't have to but there are options, <laughs>
0: right. right? Well, yeah. yeah. And then you get to try to determine how you want to live this life as well. Like, that's that's it. That's your choice. You can choose to see it half full or half empty.
1: Well, why half?
0: <laughs> why half? Well, I think I it's know. just the expression. So is yes, the glass also- full or empty? There, okay. Well, it has water in it or it doesn't.
1: <laughs> like, period. <laughs>
0: True, very, very true. Uh, so- right. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. I definitely do. And I think the mindset you come is a huge component of especially having trained with professional athletes and Olympic uh, – or Olympic – world champions, Olympic medalists. uh, I think it makes a huge difference, the mindset that you have. And like you said, if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to stick with it. You're just going to go from thing to thing to thing. You're going to give up in it really quickly. In fact, if you look at any endeavor, it's almost always a pyramid where the largest group of people are the newcomers. And it's like the people who have seniority, they're the fewest because people – you know, they drop off for whatever reason, either because they're just not passionate about it. They don't really, you know, they're not, it's not connected to their inner soul. It's not connected into their kind of the reason for existence. And, or it's like you said there, like it's too much of a struggle or a fight and they get fatigued or tired. You can't walk around crouched all day. You know, you're no. going right, to, you right. It's going to su- hurt. <laughs> exactly. And so if you're well, faking it, it's just not, it's not sustainable. Well, you
1: use the example of like an Olympic athlete or an Olympic champion, but you know, think about that. Imagine you're an Olympic athlete and you get to the starting line, and you think in your in the back of your mind, "Gee, I don't know if I'm going to win. I don't know. Look at that guy beside me; he looks so much better than me." Like you're already losing before you start, right? Mm -hmm. So the mind game, your your
0: mental set for any game, will determine whether you win or lose. Yep. Oh yeah. Hands down. Period. Hands right. down, thousandfold. Right. Again, going back to martial arts, I mean, this is the whole ninjutsu. Ninjutsu is like a third mental, like it's all, a, that's a mind game. Using people to pass, like using six degrees of separation to get messages to your enemies. And this is them for like putting doubt and fear and all that and misinformation. That's that's always been one. But uh, I've seen people lose matches, like before they even start, you just look at them and they, they, like the guys look at each other and you can just tell that one guy's already cowering. Like, right. you know, and so it's that mindset. It's huge. again, it's how you, it's how you approach it. That goes back to Think and Grow Rich uh, by, Napoleon Hill, uh, by Napoleon Hill, you know, like yep. that, that um, mm-hmm. desire and belief. Like if you, like mothers have lifted cars to save their children. You right. know what I mean? It's like they could never do that ever in their life beforehand, but they just believed and they committed to it. So, I mean, he, the Wright brothers invented flight. Do you know how crazy that is? Like that's Crazy. like me telling you I'm gonna peel my I'm gonna grab my ear and I'm gonna rip it off and peel my skin down on my ankle and step out and look ten years younger. People be like, That's absolutely absurd. Like that's the level that they were taught like, we're gonna fly. People are like, yeah, we're going
1: to go to the moon.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're there. People, other people are like, "Mm, not realistic. If I went back 15 years and said, Hey, I'm going to open up a portal in my hand and I'm going to look and see someone face to face on the other side of the planet. We're going to talk in real time. They'd be like, that's impossible. Well, guess what? I have a smartphone. I can do that now. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I love that. That, and that's the mindset. It's the mentality. It's the commitment. It's the willingness. It's only impossible until you do it. Then everyone's doing it Four minute mile. was impossible. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. So so what have been some of your greatest challenges for you in your career? In my
1: career? Well, for me, you know, uh, again, I owned a company with my ex-husband. And when I sold my shares, I had to figure out what am I going to do next? Uh, right. You know, a lot of people really, really identify with their work, with their business. Mm-hmm. And one of my greatest lessons is I am not my work. I am not my business. It doesn't define me. I'm separate from that. That was a major challenge for me, just to learn that, you know what, what I do isn't who I am. Mm. So that was a big challenge. The other kind of more tactical challenge was when I first started my coaching business, um, you know, one of the things that I do when I coach people is I ask them to journal in an online journal every single day with their coach. So I have a team of coaches. And at the beginning, I didn't have a special place for them to journal. I used Blogger. Right. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, you know, okay, this was going on for, let's say, a year or something, and one of my clients journaled about his wife, and he said some pretty uh, harsh things about her, and she happened to be pretty good at technology and hacked into his account and read his journal. And, oh, hmm. my God, I, I was horrified. I thought my entire business just went out the window. Like, you know, this was a reputation issue, right? Because Because right. it's his private stuff. and. You know, at that day, I just remember feeling my heart go into my stomach, right? And I thought, man, it's over. It's over, right, 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 right. It's over. And what I decided to do was create my own piece of software that would allow people to journal uh, privately with their coach in a way where it was completely secure, like bank-level security, Mm. And so that's when I built this thing called Journal Engine. But again, when you have something bad that happens, what do you do with it? How do you understand that it could be an opportunity?
0: Right. Well, a lot of times it's feedback. Right. Like especially even in your body, people can like when someone has pain doing something like, oh, and they never do it again. Well, no, that's feedback. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means you got to be more aware as you do it. It's a warning alarm. You know, people are, people can be afraid of feedback a lot of times, but that's how I always say movement over meditation. It's the one thing a monk will never tell you that movement is better than meditation. You can meditate on something all day, but until you get up and do it and get some feedback, you don't know whether you're right or wrong you know and so even if you get negative feedback okay great let's i'm sorry let's fix it let's move forward you know i think that a lot of people have fixed mindsets where they think that single events define them or their lives or their potential or everything else whereas i think more people need to have growth mindsets where Uh, it's not that, you know, you are not a single incident and it's okay to do something wrong because you can try to make it up to the person or even if they're not willing to accept your apology, I'm sorry. So then friendships need to be sacrificed in the progress of development because, you know, it's just about getting to the goal. It's, it's not an ends justify the means. I don't quite mean that. But it's about just constant improvement and refinement and waking up every day, and I think that that that's a great example of having done that. So you took a problem. At first, I thought that was going to be like, and it turned out to be great. His wife read it, and it brought them together, close together, and she. No. Nope. No. Yeah. There's a divorce now. <laughs> some some things you shouldn't. Yeah, some <laughs> things you should keep. Do you have nice to say? and
1: remarried. <laughs>
0: Well, that's yeah, yeah. Maybe it's for the better for them, but
1: but um, you know what? I just want to tell you as you were talking about the concept of feedback, I I wrote it down because we know the idea that okay, so you make a mistake and you learn from your mistake. People always say that learn from your mistakes, but nobody's ever called it uh, exactly how you have used the feedback and adjust your adjust your movement so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're onto something there in terms of your positioning. I'm just letting you know. Oh, you should sweet. you should write that down. Okay. Do something with that. Okay. Got and it. And if you don't, I will. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I yeah, I mentioned that on the on these interviews a lot, but you're right. You should do something with that. But it's a, I think it's a valuable thing. Again, it's just feedback. And people said you can't fail if you unless you give up. That's really, you can't fail unless you give up. You're constantly in progress. And it's about the journey anyways. I feel like so many people, Alan Watts is a great philosopher, and I love his stuff. Um, I've traveled a lot, studied a lot of the world's religions. He did way more in depth than I did. And I feel like he very much emulates my beliefs on things. And he's like, you know, everyone is acting, running around, screwing. Everyone's, what is it? Everyone's screwing around as if there's something more to achieve other than just being who you are. Like, exactly. like Like, that's, like, this is it. Like, hey, this is it. This is the song. Time to dance. You know, like. <laughs> This is it. You're just like there's this, and then there's death. Like, what you know, like yeah. That's that's it. So, go. <laughs> like, like,
1: right. People yeah. are always thinking that this isn't enough. There's got to be something more. Yeah. And they're searching, searching, searching. And in your search, you're not really um, aware of where you currently are. Right. You're not present. Right. Like this place saying. isn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, the moment you turn it into enough, more than enough. Right. In, in the moment you turn this moment into the moment yep. is when you start to really be alive, when you start to really live.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's a lot of it's good to have goals and to chase a destination. And it's great to have accomplished things like, obviously, I've been poor in my life and I've I've made what some consider to be very large sums of money. And uh, you know, obviously, it's it's funner to have money and to be able to do things. Um, It's just because it enables you to do more. It itself is nothing. It's just uh, inert. But you know, at at the same time, I still love. Like that's part of why I got here. Like I remember when I got my first big commission check off of a campaign that I'd done. In some instances, it was more money than I'd made in a year, probably a few years combined. And that day, like, there was no, like, it was a great feel good, but my life didn't change. Like, there was no drastic change. I still did what I did. Like, I, I think I bought a pair of shoes, I bought a smoothie, <laughs> and I went on a date that I had already planned. Like, that was it. Like, I bought, and the shoes I bought, I got at Ralph's, which is like a secondhand, it's like the Value Village. Or not Ralph's, yeah. it? it was like a secondhand, it was like the Value Village of where I was in Encinitas, California. It was like their Value Village. Like, it was like, a, you know, I got big feet. I'm like size 13, 14. And I was like, hey, they got some sweet shoes. They were like 20 bucks. So I started, you, you know, I made this big check and that was it. Like, you know, because it's, it's the, like Jim Rohn even says this, like, it's about who you be, it's success isn't something you chase. It's like a butterfly. You can't catch it. It's something you attract by who you become. And so yeah. I always say this, like when someone goes and wins a world championship, that's something they didn't become world championship at that event. They already were when they showed up. That's just yeah. when everyone else found out. That's because it's about who you are in the day-to-day. All the world's most successful people, everybody, we only have 24 hours a day. It's how do you use your time? Do you squander it? Do you sleep in till 3 in the afternoon and then wake up and complain about why you don't have money? Well, maybe if you didn't sleep all day, and you, you know, like it's, right. it's just this world is – there's levers. There's things you can pull like, oh, my health isn't good. Well, if I do these activities, that will go up. I always like to say that um, like where your focus goes, things grow. And when you wake up, if you sleep eight hours and you have $16, we'll say, $16 in your growth bank account to spend throughout the day to grow whatever part of your life you want. And if you spend four of those in a video game, then you've basically spent four. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's luxury and something you enjoy, you know, then that's – I feel like people have health, wealth, love, happiness, and then survival skills that they need to work on. And if that's your happiness thing, then all right, you spent $4 into your happiness bucket, but did you spend anything in any of the other areas? You know, oh, well, I played four hours of video games and I – Spent for watching TV. And, you know, and I just think people aren't aware of what they're doing. And that's where the people like you can really help them because they might what? not even notice that they're. Well,
1: here's the thing. Like you you described a person who might sleep in until three, right? Or you described a person who's complaining about their health, but they're not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's a great example because how many people are in a situation where they'd like to lose weight and maybe they start doing something about it, but for whatever reason, it's not sustainable. The question is why? Like, why don't people do what they know they need to do? Because something gets in their way Mm -hmm. and that has to do with their thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the work we do with people is what is it about your thinking? thinking that's preventing you from doing the stuff that you think you need to do in order to reach your goals? Mm -hmm. Like what's really getting in the way? And so a lot of people say, well, I know what to do and they jump into action and then they wonder why they can't keep doing the action because they're not really addressing that one big, it's not even an elephant in the room because it's so deeply hidden, right? So what is that one thing that's really preventing you from taking consistent action that will lead you to the outcomes you're looking for. What's really getting in the way? And what we try to do when we coach people is we dig underneath and we find out what is it that's getting in your way and we move it out of the way, Mm, mm, mm. right? Because- Because it's not enough for you to say, hey, you know, stop sleeping in. Well, what's causing you to sleep in in the first place? There's a lot there, Mm -hmm. right? I'm tired. Why are you tired? Well, because I wake up and what do I have to do? Where do I have to go? What kind of life do I live? And there's a whole big story attached to that. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to just say, wake up earlier because they can't get it done. At least they can't get it done consistently.
0: Right. Exactly. exactly because right. there's a mindset and that's such a big part of it it's such a like people you can self sabotage yourself without even, again if you don't feel like you're worthy if that's why you're you know what i mean or if you're yeah
1: there's you're, st- something else going on and if you don't address that something else going on you can you can you know try your hardest to do all the right things and it still won't work. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So, so this is, this is the issue. It's, it's not so much about doing, it's really about understanding how your mind works and how your mind actually, you know, you said something earlier, if I move your head, your whole body follows. Yep. It, it, it's about how your mind actually leads the game. Yep. And if you don't address what's going on there, then you're
0: playing the game unconsciously, you're kind of being blindfolded, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you refuse it's the same thing where your focus goes wherever you look you're you generally you go in that direction wherever your focus goes, your feet will follow well, if there's a part of your life that you're ignoring or not looking at, then you you know, and if that's like. It's almost like a staircase. If it's not like a straight staircase, if a step is leaning to, the, you know, on the left side, you know, like when you climb in the in the, in the woods or, you know, you're you're hiking and sometimes you got to take a big step left and a big step right because it's not a built staircase. Yeah. You know, if that right step to climb up and get where you need to is in that area that you're not willing to focus on, you'll never get past it because you right. won't fo- yeah, yeah, yep. So So you said for you, your self-worth and having it attached to your job. What you did was a big challenge. What other challenges did you have to overcome?
1: Oh, gosh, for me, I mean, you know, understanding where to spend my money, understanding what kind of investments to make, understanding where to spend money for marketing, like what, you know, should I hire someone? Should I put in an ad somewhere? Like, where do you spend your money and get the biggest return on that investment? I think that's an ongoing kind of challenge that entrepreneurs have, Mm. which is how do I know what investment to make? How do I know which project to focus on? How do I know what marketing dollars to spend? How do I know who to partner with? How do I know who to hire. It's really about how do I know how to use my resources effectively so that I'm getting a really big return on my investment. Mm -hmm. I think that's an ongoing challenge that people have when they're in business. So what was some of the best advice
0: you ever got for those?
1: Um, best advice was, you know, if there's something that doesn't feel right, just don't do it. (laughs) Like, it's okay not to take action, which is kind of surprising, right? The other not piece of advice I got, but the piece of advice I give is experiment, Mm -hmm. So you can try things on a smaller scale before jumping all the way in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I started frame mind coaching, I didn't really know how it was going to work out. I, you know, so what I did is I reached out to a friend of mine who happened to be a VP at Royal LePage, which is um, one of the largest national real estate companies Mm -hmm. in Canada. And I said, I have this idea to coach people, but I need people to coach. She said, I have people to coach. And I of course knew that. And, (laughs) uh, and I said, well, you know would you be open to running a pilot and a pilot means that you know we're we're sending out the information people are signing up for a pilot understanding it's in in a stage of experimentation so people are really forgiving when you make mistakes (laughs) during a pilot and and so i ran one or two pilots before i said okay i got it now So test things out, you know, test out your ideas. I'm a big, big experimenter. And I think that's one of the the things that reduces risk over time and allows you to know if you're heading in the right direction because, and I'm going to use your term, when you run pilots, you get valuable feedback Mm -hmm. and that helps you hone what you're doing, change what you're doing, or just keep going
0: in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And gets you proven case studies and testimonials, which is important because what you say about what you do, people always take with a grain of salt because, of course, you're going to be biased. But what other people say about you and what you do speaks volumes. So, yeah, I
1: remember one of my first ever coaching clients, like at first I started to coach groups and then I I, uh, the first guy ever coached one on one. Uh, And I wasn't sure, like, can I actually coach just one-on-one or is that too, like, what's that going to be like for me? Mm -hmm. But I remember he would say to me after every call or during every call, I hate you. And which, which would mean, man, we've hit on, on something really important. Like Ah. we're knocking it out of the park right now.
0: I hate you. You know, and you're making me focus on something that I don't want. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you're really, you're, you're, you're hitting, a really meaningful spot right now. And so every time he would say, I hate you, I thought in the back of my head, man, I'm a good coach. (laughs) And so, uh, so, you know, the feedback you get that way is really important. But as it turns out, he ended up, he's still with me and he's one of my leading coaches. Wow. And that was like 11
0: years ago. Wow. 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 So I was that good way back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think and there's a benefit too cuz in in the pilots and the betas, people get more hand-holding, more attention because yeah. you're more invested as well. So there's a there's a trade-off there, right? They're willing to put up with hiccups and at the same point in time, they get kind of more involved. Yeah. And and then as when they become part of it, just like this guy, when someone's a part of something, they want to be they want to see it be successful. Exactly. So. Yeah, those are great answers. So now, do you feel like there's any habits that you feel that some of your best clients have when they come to you? Because everyone can be – like, none of us are perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. I don't know about anyone listening to this call. But um, do you feel that there's certain (laughs) – Well, my mom says I'm perfect, but, you know, um, her opinion is a little biased. Right. So uh, do you feel that there's any habits that you feel like your most successful clients share, things that – that even if they're not perfect, that help them overcome those obstacles? Well, for me,
1: you know, again, I go back to the concept of journaling. I ask my clients to journal, so they pick up the habit of journaling. But what is journaling really about? It's really about self-correction. It's about, you know, we go off track, we lose our way, we get distracted, and journaling is about reminding us where we were headed. And it's about really course correction, right? Putting us back towards the things that we wanted. So, Those people who are super successful, they journal on a regular basis, but they also take their own personal development. uh, They make that a priority, Mm, mm, right? mm, So mm. this is not, it's kind of like people who are super healthy exercise all the time. They don't only exercise for a month or a year. It's a lifelong experience. Right. And so people who are really mentally strong are people who do the work every day. Yep. 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 Right. So it's the same idea.
0: Yeah, I actually do that. And obviously, I don't know. um, I don't know your system at all or too well, but I love that. And that's something that's been really grateful. Beneficial for me is just keeping it like a weekly. I do a weekly goal tracking like journal, basically, where I think about my career, my finances, family, friends, business relationships my love life, uh, my health, dreams, any problems, any charitable endeavors I want to take on, my c- current happiness level, what my biggest concern is. I always put that down as well. And just by week after week, if I keep putting the same thing on there and nothing's happening, you know, it does. It, it's like, I need to do something about that. Whereas if I didn't, years would go by, you know, and it's just... Well, it's, again, I need to do something about
1: it. But if the same thing shows up over and over again, the question is why? Why not? So it's yeah. not always, it's not always what you do about it. You may have tried to do something about it. Maybe, Many many times over, but there's something else happening, or there's something else at play that you may not even be aware of that's interfering with your ability to get it done. Right. So so that's where journaling comes into play. You you notice the patterns, but there are all kinds of different ways to journal so that you're digging at and really unearthing some of the key. Hey, can I give people a, a, a journaling exercise? Would that do be it. Okay? Just do it. Okay. So this is an exercise that I give my clients. It's extremely powerful. Honestly, it's a really great starting point. So guys, grab a piece of paper and a pen and write it down. So question number one is what do you really, really want? What do I really, really want? So why why are there two reallys there? Because it's not what somebody else wants for you or not what's expected of you or not what you think you want because that's what you're supposed to want. But what does your heart really, really want? What do you truly want? Right. Question number two is, why do you want it? Like, how would your life be impacted if you had it? And if you never had it, would that be okay with you? Could you be? Could you live like that? And thing number three is, so what's getting in the way? Why don't you currently have what you really, really want? And list all the reasons. Now, once you list all the reasons, those reasons become uh, the starting point for understanding the beliefs that are getting in your way and really tripping you up. That's the point where we start to do the work. Now, for anyone who's really bold and really courageous, send me your responses and I will connect you with one of my coaches who will examine what you wrote and do a really deep dive with you and looking at what's getting in the way. And That's here, awesome. my, my email address is kim at com. Now, most of you won't do that. <laughs> I don't come across a lot of really bold people.
0: But for those of you who want to take my challenge, go ahead. That's awesome. So let's go over. So first, it was Kim at free. Sorry, forgive me. Kim at Kim at Perfect. And the questions were: What do you really, really want? Yep. Why do you want it? And there were some sub kind of questions there, like: Would you be okay with not getting it? How will getting yep. it impact your life? Exactly. And then the last one was: What's 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 in your way? What's Yeah. Why don't you have it now? What's getting in your way? What's standing in your way of having what you really want right now? Why don't you have it now? So, all right. So what do you really, really? So here we want this journaling exercise. Everyone listening to this, I always say, you know, at the end of the call, I always ask people to, you know, about their notes and action items. So my listeners, my loyal fans should already have a pen and paper (laughs) handy for someone to take notes. So what do you really, really want? Why do you want it? And why don't you have it now? Yeah. Send that to Kim at, hold on, I'm going to note, I'm going to get it. Hold on. Kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. Yep. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That's awesome. So that's a really, it is a really powerful exercise because a lot of times people can have anything they want. But I mean, again, as humans, we've done phenomenal things. we put people on the moon. We invented flight. We're growing ears. On, we're growing organs. Like we're growing organs on other animals. Like, do yeah. you know how weird that saying- is? Crazy, right? So, so here's the
1: thing with that assignment. So there are there are layers. Okay, so layer one is just doing the assignment provides. All of a sudden, you're you're seeing yourself in ways you haven't seen before. Right. Then connecting with a coach who will review it with you and really kind of do a very deep dive on that will help you understand it at a level you've never seen before so you'll gain some really valuable insights and then more than that you'll start to understand what you need to do the things you need to work
0: on Mm -hmm. in order to have what you really want so it's those three layers now, do you have any quick tips for people to help improve their emotional resiliency? We talked about that, and we talked about why it's so important. But I don't know if we mentioned any, like, good action items for people to, to do with that. If they've been hit with something, if someone listening to this is going through something right now, uh, you know, like, was there? do you have any tips for them? If someone's really so- struggling... Yeah. So that's a great
1: question and nobody's ever asked it (laughs) before. So I'm going to give you another exercise. Okay. So let's say something bad happened to you, whatever it was, you had a divorce or you, um, had to go bankrupt or you, I don't know, got bullied as a kid, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. What I want you to do is write down the story. Like what happened? Who was involved? What happened to you? How did you respond? And then what I want you to say is like, how did this impact me? How how does it affect me now? So writing the story of what happened and how that story kind of still lives within you currently is a very good starting point. But then you want to go back and reread it and say, so how do I want this to impact me now? So the story I tell about it and the story I hold on to, does that serve me? Does that have value to me? Or does that actually hold me back? Does that hurt me? Does that create fear for me? Does that create anxiety? Does that make me scared? Does that make me really motivated or does that make me gun shy? What does it do to me, the story I tell about that past event? And what is the story I'd like to tell about it now? So I've never given that assignment before, totally new assignment. But I would suggest to you that the story you tell about the adversity you've had in your life Will profoundly determine your behavior now.
0: Right. Yes. Because people define themselves. It's like when someone gets, uh, like, someone goes to see a doctor and they're diagnosed as schizophrenic or something. That label gives them permission, and it's a limiting, fixed state that they suddenly exist in that they can't go beyond. What I love about this is because something, a traumatic emotional event, can happen in someone's life, and just with a simple exercise, write, write the story. What happened? What was so traumatic? How is this, and then answer, how is this still impacting you? How do you, and then, you know, think about that. How has it affected your life? How is it still impacting you today? What is it making you feel? Is it, you know, is it changing the way you interact with other people? And then right. how do you want the story to impact yourself? Yep. What do you want the story to do for you? And
1: what exactly. do you want, and
0: how do you, and so then what is the story you want to tell? Can you change that story? Because you can change the story. Again, how people define themselves often has huge implications of what they think they're capable of. The only difference between people that are accomplishing the things you want to accomplish and, and those that don't accomplish that and try and fail really often comes down to the stories they tell themselves. Again, it comes back to this fixed mind state versus growth. There's people who are just, oh, I'm not there yet. I need to keep on it. You know, I need to keep working on it. And there's people that are like, oh, I never can. You know, I'm just this. I'm just that. Oh, my family this. Oh, my family that, right? These stories that they tell themselves, that keep them trapped. And it's a self-sabotaging, self-limiting belief that prevents people from achieving their true potential. And it's all about, it's all the stories you play in your head. And the reality is... And sorry, I'm going on a riff here, but I love this because a dog is just a dog. It will only ever do the five to whatever ten things a dog does, right? Unless a human comes and trains it to, you know, jump rope, whatever. But generally right. speaking, the animals only do these five or ten things. Humans can do anything, anything we want. All it takes is focus, time, and attention. Anything. You can learn to walk on your hands. You can learn to climb a rope with no hands. You can learn to do ballet, to tap dance, figure out how to fly, figure out how to put a person on the moon, you know, figure out how to make a rocket ship land on its own, figure out how to make uh, electric vehicles, make a car drive itself, figure out how to make a a phone where I can talk here. Like we're, you know, we're, we're in totally separate locations. Not only are we communicating in real time, we're recording it and people will be able to listen to this for the rest of our civilization. Like, that's so phenomenal. So humans can accomplish anything they want. And so often the stories they tell themselves about their lives, their past, it determines their future. But really, you have this moment and every moment moving forward. And you could decide today to change and go in a new direction. And there's nothing holding you back other than yourself.
1: Exactly. There you go. Great yeah. closing. Yeah. Way to
0: go. So well said. So well said. <laughs> no, so well, well said.
1: Uh, hey, you want a job?
0: <laughs> so um, now, I guess for you, what do you see of the future trends of your industry? Uh, future trends of the industry are that uh, you know it's an
1: industry where you know I, I believe there's like the 20, twenty eighty rule in the coaching world. A lot of people become coaches, not mm-hmm. a lot of them are outstanding coaches. Right. And so, what I see is a greater divide between the outstanding coaches and the not as outstanding coaches. So, that's mm-hmm. one thing I see for sure. Mm-hmm. The other thing I see is a movement uh, away from uh, accountability based coaching towards really helping people understand how they're thinking plays a role in their results and their outcomes. So I see that happening too. And I see um, I see an industry where it's going to be you know you talked about the world is competitive. I see an industry that leads uh, that, that is on the leading edge of collaboration as opposed to a com- competition. So I see that happening too over time.
0: So wait let's go over those three. So you said more great coaches emerging, and, and kind of being better known through the power of being able to leverage themselves, right, with technology. Right. And so like yeah, things. a greater divide
1: between the phenomenal coaches and the rest. So few great ones
0: will show up more and more. Like, right. You know, Right, like right, right. And then I, I was really intrigued by the other one. You said step away from accountability-based coaching. Yeah.
1: So uh, here's my philosophy. I feel like accountability-based coaching is – unethical at best and detrimental at worst. Mm. So why? Let's pretend I'm coaching you and you come to me because you're struggling with something, whatever that something is. Right. And normally when someone is struggling with something, how do they feel?
0: They're, they don't feel good.
1: They don't feel good. And so they they may have a goal that they just can't seem to achieve. Mm -hmm. And so they hire a coach and they figure that coach is going to help them achieve the thing that they were unable to achieve on their own. Mm -hmm. So now we create an accountability model. And I say to you, Daryl, here's what I, you know, we're going to agree. We're going to create a plan and I'm going to hold you accountable to all the bits and pieces in in order for you to achieve your goal. So week one is going well, week two, week three, week four, you don't do what you're supposed to do. Right. So now, so now, how do you
0: feel? Right, right, right. Well, now you're falling behind.
1: <clears throat> now you're falling behind. So, and... so let's just pretend it works, right? So, if it works, and I hold you accountable, and you get your stuff done, what I've done is I've created um, a relationship where you're dependent on me. Right. That's unethical. Mm. But if it doesn't work, now not only do you feel bad because you still aren't reaching your goals, but you've paid for it, mm-hmm. and. You feel a little bit uncomfortable because mm-hmm. you're working with me and I'm beating you over the head because mm-hmm. you aren't doing your stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so what I've done is I've taken your problem and I've made it worse.
0: Right. right. So
1: that's detrimental. That's harmful.
0: And so and instead, so, it's just about helping people understand. And it, I guess, it's again, it's focused on the growth. It's focusing on taking whatever time it needs to take. Cause oftentimes, well, look, uh, my
1: philosophy is you're an adult. You're responsible. (laughs) You don't have to be accountable to me. My question is what's preventing you from being accountable to you. Mm. Right. Mm. And so that's the work I want to do with you is really identify what's getting in your way and move it out of the way. And the moment that stuff is out of the way, people soar. You know, a lot of people I coach, not only do they soar, they look different. They walk different. They um, smile more and people will see them in the street and they say, "What? what's up with you? You Did you get a haircut? Like, mm-hmm. did you get a makeover or something? Did you get a new wardrobe? You just look so different because they feel different from the right. inside. Right. And so when someone feels different, just like that, that Olympic athlete who shows up at the starting line saying, I'm going to win. Yep. Right? That's not a doing exercise. Yep. It's a state of being. It's a state of being, and unless and and so, coaching is going to move more and more into addressing states of being as opposed to managing tasks and activities.
0: Mm, that's boom. That's that's such a well, that's quotable right there. That's a writer downer, folks. That's a writer downer. Writer downer. <laughs> coaching is moving into is going to move into. So wait, say it again. Coaching, uh, good thing we were recording, but it's about, coaching is going to be more about uh, states of being versus managing tasks and actions and deadlines. That's right. There you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's about state of being. Yeah, I that's think right. that's great. I'm I'm so big into like morning routines just because of that the state of being. I'm really right now I'm kind of on and off because there's the CrossFit Open is happening, but once it's done, I'm just going to be like a like very militaristic because the state of being is so important. Tony Robbins is big into that too. He does all sorts of you know Atlanta, like I don't want to say crazy because it's not crazy, but he goes to extremes others wouldn't to make yeah. sure he gets into certain states of beating, having cold showers and baths and things like yeah. that because it yeah. it's, it shocks his system into a state exactly. of being. Exactly. Yeah. So. That's so well put. Was there anything I should have asked you, Kim, that I didn't ask you? This has been such a great call. I really think people will want to listen to this once or twice and definitely make sure they have their paper and pen out and make sure you follow all the questions at the end, to what you need to do, what you need to delegate, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, Kim, was there anything that I should have asked you about that um, I didn't ask you gosh, about? Gosh,
1: we could talk for another hour about that. But Easily. Uh, for now, you know what, this is a good starting point and happy to talk to anybody who's interested in – sending in those questions or learning more or has a struggle and they say, well, what do I do? Right. So I'm happy, happy to talk to anybody who's in that place and wants to talk about their state of being instead of their state of doing.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. So anyone that's interested, please just reach out to Kim, K-I-M, at frameofmindcoaching.com. She will answer your questions. She'll pass you on to someone that can help you and get at least try at least take a poke around at your problem. Uh, no risk, of course, I'm sure, up front, and uh, just to help you out and see if there's something simple to fix or maybe you do need more help. And uh, that's it. I st- strongly encourage anyone this call has resonated with to take action because if you don't, you know, keep doing what you've always got or keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So
1: Well, let's um, change that. If you keep thinking what you've always thought, you'll uh, keep getting what you always got.
0: <laughs> How's that? I'm glad we're neighbors. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right, Kim. Well, thank you so much i really generally appreciate you and your time today and just for sharing with our listeners i know people are going to benefit from this call and i just appreciate you helping me on my mission to help make a difference in this world
1: my pleasure one more thing though when you start having kids let me know <laughs>
0: <laughs> well the first one we're expecting to to get to get going before christmas so
1: oh wow okay well keep me posted okay we will do all right take care
0: Or give them to just do it for you. Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better.